and you're listening to the Practice Power Up Podcast with your host, Damian Adler. Damian, the co-founder of Power Diary and a clinical psychologist, will bring to you proven strategies on how to run and grow your practice. Happy listening. Welcome, everyone, to my uh, psychologist by, by trade, head of customer success here at Power Diary. Um, and my background prior to this, for those who may not be familiar, but um, got into this space um, as a psychologist and building a large private psychology practice, my wife. So customer service in health is something that's always been you know, very uh, important you know, and part of that sort of success you know, journey that we've had both with with the clinic, but also with Powdery. Now, with me today, I'm very lucky to have Diana Golden, who actually heads up our customer success team um, here at Powdery. Uh, welcome, Diana. Uh, how are you? Hi, Damien. So great to be here. Yep, I'm Diana Golden. Um, I've been with Powdery just over a year now, and I have been working in customer service, specifically in the healthcare field, for over 20 years. Half of that career was with in-home care management. So I've been uh, working with patients in home and then also virtually. So yeah. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. And uh, in-home management, that's a fairly <clears throat> sort of intense mode of delivery for health services, right? So it's often the customer service element in both, I guess, managing customers and managing practitioners' experiences as well is significant. Absolutely. Um, it, it's a whole different level, um, you know, getting your care managers ready to go in home, um, a lot of privacy, safety concerns. So there's a lot of moving pieces with in-home care. Yeah. Very good. So yeah, Diana, as you're saying, you've been here now over a year and uh, obviously the, you were a natural fit for the role because of that background, right, in, in healthcare and all the rest of it. But in the time that you've been with us, right, you've really kind of moved the needle uh, on our you know, customer success and I think uh, in fact now you know I can make a, you know, a public confession here that the, the prior to you I was managing directly the, uh, the team members and uh, I can certainly say that we've, the team metrics in all regards have, have improved uh, further since you've taken over so you're running the team and that, that element of the business better than, than I ever did so uh, that's why I'm very excited like to have you um, on this because I think that the experience and the, you know, I think we, we think alike on some of the, these things. And, and I think that, you know, the insights that you've got and how you achieve good sort of customer success and good customer service, you know, I think the way that you kind of go about it, you know, it aligns with some of the things that we found in private practice uh, as well. And so really excited to have you on here and to be able to sort of share your, um, you know, share the experience that you have with our, uh, with our audience. Okay. Without further ado, um, we'll just sort of just jump into the kind of why element um, of this. So what are the key things here? Like what, I mean, I guess on one hand, we know customer service is important, but why sort of specifically, what difference, you know, does it kind of make? Why should we, you know, put this extra attention onto this? Well, I think that, you know, you need to maintain a, a good customer support team so you can maintain customers, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have that retention of your customer base. You need to get the referral too. You have to have that team that's friendly and approachable, make sure that they're trained properly. You've got to have a real differentiation in your team as well. So you've mm -hmm. got different people, different skill sets. It's a skill to build a team, right? And to get the yeah. right people. Yeah. 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 
And I think often, you know, the uh, the customer, you know, whether it's an administrative person in a practice or it's it's um, in, in another context, but the customer service or that reception or admin person is typically the first or the one of the first sort of real contacts they have with the business, right? So we're thinking Absolutely. of practice. They're the face. They're the face yeah. of your business. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The face and the voice, isn't it? That they ring up and uh, someone patient rings up with inquiry that that it's going to set the tone for the rest of the um, you know, really the rest of the interaction. Well, and it, and in today's world, it's the the face, the voice, the written, the the everything. You know, they have they have to communicate in so many different ways that um, your team or your your main admin employee really has to have all these skills. Yeah. Yeah, which is not always easy to find in one uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> in one person. It's a very demanding uh, demanding role. Um, okay, so the way that we're going to go through this, we we actually talked about a few different ways of of breaking down, you know, customer service. And mm-hmm. what we what we settled on is really looking at like the five sort of most common mistakes that we see, um, and that will sort of allow us to kind of focus in on those things that really kind of move the needle on. Um, whether you know on customer service, whatever the context, but for for health you know practices uh, practices, it's it's really about that the initial contact and then the follow through through the entire sort of you know client journey that uh, each interaction they have. So we're going to cover the five most common sort of or, or biggest customer sort of service mistakes, and we'll just have a discussion about each of those and uh, and share some of the thoughts on that. Okay, so first up, we're talking about empathy and the role of, of empathy. And what mm-hmm. mistake number one is a lack of empathy. What does that look like in a customer? Like, what, what sort of things do you see there and, um, and why, is, why is this so important? Well, I think that, you know, I think most people want to hire a, a team member or an, a person that has empathy as their primary, mm-hmm. you know, they want to be compassionate, they need to understand the customer, they need to have empathy. Um, sometimes in the customer support role, it's, there's a lack of empathy because there's some repetition with the role. Um, everybody has good days and bad days, but you have to have that consistent empathy for what your customer is going through. Mm -hmm. Um, especially in healthcare, you know, you, you never know what's happening on the other end of the phone, on the other end of the email, um, for both the practitioners and, and patients, customers. So your team member really has to have an understanding of what's happening on the other side mm-hmm. and um, really give the care that they, they need to and have, have a deep understanding and empathy. But there's a balance there, right? Because yeah. you, can't, you can't have too much um, as business owners, as uh, business managers, you, know, you need to be sure that you're running your business successfully. Yeah. So the balance here is a balance of being empathetic, but not being too empathetic that the business isn't successful. Um, You'll find this sometimes when it comes to finances, right? Um, If, if it's, you know, a refund is potentially available and it's really not appropriate. uh, You really have to find that, that balance of knowing when to say yes and when to um, do what's right for the business. That's right. And I think in, in practices, the way that that, plays out in health practices it's things like enforcing no-show policies and fees Mm -hmm. ability to be empathetic but assertive enough to often safeguard the clinician's um time you know because Mm -hmm. if there's a a patient 
for instance, who may be sort of insisting on an urgent appointment and maybe it's not available or maybe it's not appropriate, like in the, in right. the context of that, but having someone that has the empathy to kind of relate to and understand where that sort of patient or client might be coming from. But at the mm-hmm. same time, be, you know, confident enough and assertive enough to be able to sort of push back in a gentle, appropriate kind of way, but nonetheless firm that kind of reinforces the policies um, of, of the practice. And I think this is something that, that it took us a while to get right. Like, so my wife and I started a, a psychology practice, initially just her um, and I, and then we grew it into this large you know, multi-practitioner um, practice. And so with that, we sort of learned a lot along the way about admin and uh, what to hire in terms of that, that support. So initially we fell into the trap, which I think a lot of practitioners and practice owners may do, which is just focusing on that empathy, right? So someone who's right. warm and, you know, has the traditional great customer service skills, you know, but really, you know, you're, you're sort of prioritizing empathy because as a practitioner, people will instinctively know, of course, that that's important. But then when it comes to some of those other things, um, like, like being able to be assertive and safeguard right. and manage the financial side of things of ensuring that, you know, we do follow up and we get invoices paid and whatnot. It really is this kind of, you can almost like go from one extreme and then the risk is to kind of go the other way and get someone who's like really assertive, right. <laughs> um, exactly. really confident, but like it's not really actually, you stand back and look at the big picture, you know, it's not necessarily the right way to go. And so trying to find that kind of balance in between where someone has, you know, has those kind of skills and has that capacity. And it's not, you know, it's not uh, not common, right? Like it's it's a it's a hard yeah. ask to find someone that has those those combination, but nonetheless right. sort of certainly, you know, important. In smaller teams, I think you know, a, a point that we could make about this balance, you know, that if you've got one admin person, say in a practice, um, mm-hmm. then naturally you're looking for someone that has those characteristics within within that one person. But if you've got a larger team, sometimes, you know, I think, and we've seen this done successfully and we certainly did it um, in our practice, sometimes you can get um, people that with slightly different sort of emphasis, like some might be more on the empathetic side, some might be more on the assertive side, and you can allocate jobs and tasks to match their personality and match that skill set. So if you can't get balance within a team, or let's say you've already got um, a few people employed and you're not going to, you know, you're not going to, the, the areas or the performance issues or whatever with this, it's not so much, that, you know, to the extreme that you would necessarily rehire, or, you know, um, but let's say you want to, you want to um, correct the balance. You could look within your team and say, well, which way do people naturally lean, right? And then allocate the task appropriately. So you've got a better fit for those if you've got people that are more assertive, you know, and are more forthright than getting them on those tricky but important aspects so to do with you know money and you know other areas that they may you know that might come into potential conflict then allocating those makes sense right and similarly the people that might uh, lean towards empathy and and not so much the assertiveness then sometimes you know there's a whole bunch of jobs that are you know really good for that person to do you know and it may be in some cases working with um, or being the primary contact for patients that might be particularly sensitive or really require that extra level of empathy then it's great to kind of pair them up and have them as the kind of main person dealing with administration of that you know that right. account yeah or that and person. i mean that's really and and we'll talk about this but that's really knowing and understanding your team right mm-hmm. 
mm -hmm. um, really taking the time to learn their strengths and yeah. and understand them each and as an individual team member. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Let's jump uh, into mistake number two. I think I led you right into that one. That was a. <laughs> <laughs> you sure did. That was a really, really smooth segue that you achieved for us there. Okay. So, not listening to clients. Uh, okay. So, what? Is, how does this break down? So, what? What should people do instead? You know, and uh, what happens if you don't listen to your clients? Well, there's a different bullets here. So um, obviously we need to listen to our customers, um, get their feedback, um, whether it be feedback regarding the team member, their experience, um, feedback regarding the product or service. You know, we need to listen and take as much feedback as we can from our customers. Mm -hmm. um, the bullet here, we talk about listening to understand. And that's a little bit what I was speaking to about getting to know your team member, um, and it's the same getting to know your customer, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of people feel like they're listening, um, mm -hmm. but listening to understand is a completely different concept. Mm -hmm. uh, really taking the time to listen to your customer, listen to your team members, make sure you're understanding the ask mm -hmm. and you're able to you know, get back to them and tell them the why, right? Mm -hmm. There's the yeah. ask and there's the why. So it's yeah. that back and forth. Yeah. And so if we we're thinking about this, listen to understand, um, what's the counter position of that? What, what trap do people fall into? Do you think if they're not listening to understand, what do they, what do you tend to find they're doing? They're listening to respond, right? right. Um, right. So uh, you're many times people are listening and they have their, their response in their mind. And instead of really understanding the full picture and getting all the pieces, yeah. they're ready to respond. Yeah. And you'll see that sometimes with uh, customer support, customer service responses is they know the answer that they've been giving, right? Yeah. So you, yeah. a lot of times, like I mentioned before, that's a repetitive response. But if you really take the time to listen to each request and listen yeah. to understand, you'll find that there may be something different. And usually there is something a little bit different with each request. Yeah. So yeah. don't jump in with a response that you know, take the time to understand the ask. Yeah. 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 And I think in practices, we certainly sort of see this, you know, that that needing to kind of listen intently to what the patient is saying or what the client is saying um, mm -hmm. on the phone about uh, it might be that they're interacting with the admin team about, but let's say, you know, for instance, let's say your books are full right? Or there's a long kind of wait. Um, in a practice context, the admin person may be quite used to now saying we're booked out for three months or something, right? If that right. was right, the case. Now, so that's that kind of repetitive element. But so, you know, listening to respond, if someone is asking, a patient rings up, client rings up, they're asking for an appointment, right? And, you know, the, if the admin person is already at that point of, oh, we're full for three months. I know what I'm going to say here, right? Mm -hmm. They're essentially just sort of waiting for the person to finish talking to kind of give them the reply because they think, well, whatever you're saying now is not really that relevant because the answer is, unfortunately, we're booked out for three months, right? Exactly, right. Yeah. And then with that, you get from the, the subjective experience of the, of the patient isn't good, right? Because they, even though the answer is the same, it... They don't feel like they've actually been listened to and that the admin person has understood what their particular circumstances are. Right. Right. And that that's 
that's the thing, isn't it? At that point, like there, even though the outcome may be the same, that not listening, not sort of like tuning out and getting ready to reply, it it, it really impacts the experience of that that patient and that perception of whether you care or not as a, an organization. Exactly. And that's that third bullet there, which is the thoughtful response. Yeah. So you need to take the time to, if you've taken the time to listen, to understand, you should be able to summarize and respond thoughtfully. And right. so summarize, you mean summarize their view, right? Like what they're saying. Summarize their view yeah. and, yeah. and your own view. Yeah. So you should, and, and, you know, we're, we're talking about this, you know, over several minutes and most of the time this would have to happen quite quickly, right? Yeah. You'd have to come up with your response and listen quickly and respond quickly. Um, and that's also a skill to be yeah. able to thoughtfully hear someone speak for just a minute or quickly read an email and respond yeah. and being able to summarize, understand, and again, having that empathy. Yeah. that you need the, the correct level of empathy in your thoughtful response yes yeah yeah mm -hmm. and then it leaves then the patient or the customer with that sense that they understand me and i also know why if the answer is they can't get what they want for instance and that um i understand why that isn't the case or why that is you know so let's say it's about uh, that example i was using before of someone who's who their practice has got a three-month wait and to say, look, I, I hear and understand that, you know, you're in a bad way at the moment or that you, you know, um, would like some urgent uh, treatment or an urgent appointment. Fortunately, this is that situation where we're booked up, you know, to this point. And then that thoughtfully, like, you know, there's a few options here. Uh, we can put you, like, book you in in that time and try and get you in on a cancellation appointment. But I understand you might be in pain or maybe it's a, if it's uh, psychologically related, maybe it's something you know urgent in that regard. But I hear from what you were saying that you need more urgent treatment. Um, here are some other options that you might like to consider. You know, exactly. And it's kind of putting right. that kind of context, putting that sort of thoughtful linking back what you're saying their particular circumstances. You know, versus if you said, look, yeah, you know, we're busy for the next three months. Sorry, can't see you. Put you on a wait list if you like, and. And then send some standard email with some contacts of urgent emergency services. Right? Like it would feel very factory like and very uncared. And I, I think that some of this may seem very obvious, but it is, these are skills, you know, skills that you have yeah. to look for in your team member and yeah. your admin staff that, that they, they understand how important yeah. um, what may seem obvious is, yeah. is a training involved, there's skill involved. Yeah. Um, there's reinforcement involved and, yeah. and that's how you'll retain your customer base. Yeah. That's how you'll get those referrals is by that voice reassuring your customer that they're doing everything they can to, to yeah. make that appointment happen yeah. or, or whatever the service is. Yeah. 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 And I think the thing to remember on that too, like sometimes we get, you know, a um, truly unreasonable requests, right? Like, in, uh, right? so, okay. And so it's easy to kind of feel justified in the kind of response. And also I think even as practice owners or practice managers, we, like the admin person's debriefing, you know, with us and we, you know, you get that kind of reaction of like, that was an, an unreasonable request, right? Like what, right? So easy to get in the same headspace, right? Of, of the, let's say, you know, the, uh, sort of blunt 
you know, non-empathetic reply was given, right? So, and it can feel like that's justified, even the practice managers, practice owners. But the thing to remember, right, is that that person, their subjective experience, the patient that is, don't know they made an unreasonable request for one, right? right. So in their mind, most people think they're reasonable, right? Like that's the, one of the amazing things, but you know, no one gets around, you know, thinking that they're being unreasonable in their views and their behavior and whatnot. So they think that they've been reasonable. Um, therefore, the lack of empathy, like they're going to just detect that as lack of empathy. They're not going to say I was being unreasonable. They're right. going to say they didn't care about my situation, right? Exactly. And then the third thing is that they're going to go around and they're going to spread that negative experience, right? Without the context that you have on it, right? What they're going to hear to uh, when they go back to their doctor or their specialist or to their friend, whoever referred them or whatever their network is, they're not going to say, hey, I made an unreasonable request and they said no, right? <laughs> they're going to present it, of course, what their real experience is from their point of view. So, you know, and they'll say, well, you know, I was really urgently in need of care and, da, 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 and they just said, no, they couldn't help me. Right? That's going to be the summary. And, right. you know, those people they're talking to have no reason, like, not to believe that, right? So, you know, uh, so the issue is the damage that does, even if, like, if you just look a zoom right in and say, well, on that interaction, you know, yes, that was a bit blunt, but, you know, that person was being unreasonable. It's still not an excuse, right? And that's where, like, customer service as a profession, you know, viewing it, you know, it's, it is, like you said, a skill, and skill. to be able to maintain that despite the fact there's repetitive elements to the role, deliver mm -hmm. that message in a way that's meaningful and shows that empathy and shows that listening uh, is vital. And you, you just can't get a, around it. Like it's because the consequence of not will happen whether or not, you know, <laughs> like that's out of your hands. Once that's occurred, the subjective experience of that patient or that customer in our case is what it is. They will like share that view. Right. That's right. And yeah. Okay. Let's uh, jump on. Let's get, let's uh, move to mistake number three. So failing, uh, failing to train here. So what's, what's the issue? Like what mistake do we, what sort of assumptions do we make at the start? Do you think, uh, or risk making when it comes to customer support? So one of my favorite assumptions is that when you hire someone that they understand phone etiquette, right? Wow. You make okay. the assumption that people understand how you should answer the phone, what you should be saying to customers. Um, it, it, you know, sometimes there's also in the in the written word, people use emojis all the time now. And, you know, you should never make the assumption that a team member or an employee knows when it's the right mm -hmm. time or the wrong time to be using those emojis, mm -hmm. when is um, the right time and the wrong time to be casual on the phone. So, yes. You should never make assumptions that what you know is, you know, the way that you would behave on the phone, that that is how your your team yeah. member will as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, making assumptions, you can't do it for anything, really. Yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah. make assumptions. Say, it, it applies across everything, doesn't it? Like right. the, yeah. So, and if you think about, like, even just a term, if I said, like, what's good customer service, right? What does that look like in practice? You know, what what's the behaviors of that? If we probably ask 10 different people, we probably get like a whole bunch of different responses that don't necessarily. So, but again, because we all think we're reasonable, like us as the interviewer interviewing the, like a candidate for an admin role, reception role or a customer support role, like if we have in our head, oh, well, we're, 
it just makes sense. It's good customer service is what it is. Everyone knows that, right? Right. You never know. I mean, you have to assume that you need to train your yeah. team member on yeah. everything, yeah. everything that's important to you. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes it may seem silly to say, this is the exact script that we use when we answer the phone, yeah. or this is the exact way that we want our signatures to look on our responses. Yeah. But you should never make an assumption and train on everything that's important to you. And that's a great point that you make, Damien, because every practice, every company has different yeah. aspects of their business that are important to them. It's not yes. going to be the same for everyone. Yes. So you need to train on what's important to you yeah. and not make yeah. assumptions. That's right. And often yeah. too, the the like a person will carry over from their previous workplace, you know, so... Yeah, someone's got, you know, five years or 10 years of customer support or uh, customer service or medical admin, health admin. And, you know, you almost sort of it amplifies the assumption sometimes. You think, yeah, right. okay, I know. Wait, right. And you, you, they do a great reference check the whole lot. Um, but, you know, what they did at their previous organization may be very different to what you think is acceptable. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Just, yeah. Yeah. I think we've all experienced that, right? Where sometimes it's a culture in an organization that they have, you just think, how did that become acceptable? You know, so people bring all that unconsciously with them to the role, not knowing that that isn't aligned. So getting in there, um, training, if you, there's inconsistency, and this is something that, that, um, both, you know, in our health practice, but also in Powdery, that, if there's inconsistency in the responses that they get, mm -hmm. it erodes the kind of like trust, doesn't it? In um, and the confidence that people kind of have in the service you're providing. So, if there's that, you know, if you ring up a health practice and you get very different responses, messages, tone, styles, then you sort of become uncertain, you know, about right. yeah, and yeah, and, do and you uh, in, right? Uh, every everyone needs to be on the same page. Everybody should be trained on every aspect of the organization, right? So yeah. especially your customer team, because yeah. the customer team touches everything. Yeah. So you may not need to be a subject matter expert on every aspect of the organization, but you yeah. do need to know a little bit about everything that's happening yeah. so that when your customer reaches out, you're able to give a very clear response. Yeah. Um, in our environment, we have a lot of changes, um, you know, great things happening, big changes to make our product better. But yeah. um, as the product grows, our customer team needs to know each aspect of the product that's changing um, and how to relay that in a simple way to yeah. our customers. So yeah. it's it's a lot of training and it, it has to happen every day. Yeah. It's not yeah. something that you can say, okay, we're going to get together, you know, once a quarter or once a month and talk about the changes or talk about training. It's continuously, you know, reviewing responses, reviewing mm -hmm. phone calls, yeah. um, meeting with the team, letting them know the changes that are happening. It's, it's communication, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and that will, that will eliminate that erosion of trust. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in, in a health context, health practice context, um, that that sort of continual sort of training, I think it looks slightly different, but it's the same concept. Like it's about having regular check-ins with the um, admin um, team, and so mm -hmm. sometimes weekly, sometimes fortnightly, or two weekly, um, sometimes monthly. But that you know, no more than that, right? 
Um, and in that reviewing what went well over that period of time, anything that didn't go so well, so difficult phone calls, issues with um, chasing invoices, interactions that didn't turn out the way we would have liked, anything like that. Um, and so within a health practice, then that's a constant evolution of learning from those things, like doing a little bit of a, like, how'd that go? How did you feel? What, how, how could we handle that differently, et cetera? Um, and then capturing that and, in fact, all the kind of training, all the expectations in some sort of uh, manual or reference sort of, you know, um, material so that that training and that standard is available. And back when we started the uh, practice, um, we used to keep those training materials in all sorts of places. You know, sometimes it'd be on Google Docs, sometimes it'd be Word, <coughs> sometimes Dropbox, had them all over the place. And we found that was really sort of, uh, it's even hard to know what is the current live version that we are using, you know. Um, and it was one of the sort of reasons that the that um, we noticed this across lots of health practices. And in, in Powder, we built the practice manual, right? So mm -hmm. every account has a practice manual built in. We have a whole bunch of uh, preloaded templates that you can use so you don't have to start from scratch. But um, you can edit and capture these sorts of things, these expectations about, a customer service and the tone you want and the any scripts that you use and so forth captured all in the manual within um, powder and again it's to help with that consistency make sure that information is available um you know everywhere absolutely um, you know, wherever that that is needed wherever they're providing services so uh yeah um the other one is that we want to i think talk about here is about clients should know what to expect you know this is and this is something that um we found that if if there's inconsistency what let's say in a in a practice um and maybe you have a process they ring up they have a new patient um you might send out you know you take the initial booking on the phone then you might send out um an online form you know for them to complete mm -hmm. um maybe you send them out um uh, 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 some information about your client portal and how they can book online and pay online and things like that if you're using that that feature but you might have a process where you're introducing them to the practice. So on the phone, you tell them, you know, let's say you've got one admin person that tells them correctly these things, right? But if you don't have training across um, or there isn't consistency in how it's done, then no one actually, like, sends those things, you know, or right. activates fix and power to say to send that stuff off. Um, then the... It, trust erosion is very quick, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, they've been had an expectation set and then it wasn't actually delivered, right? And, you know, if a patient turns up for a practice and they didn't receive any of the paperwork that they were supposed to and nothing happened, you know, like they, it was a different, you know, then all of a sudden they lose confidence, not just in the administrative side of it, but also in the delivery of the healthcare, which means that the practitioner before they've even had any interaction at all can end up sort of behind, you know, with the client that, they've kind of got to make up some ground because the right. client's already kind of like, you know, feeling a little bit off and lost that kind of trust and confidence. And so setting expectations with clients and then reinforcing those being very consistent, you get that kind of benefit of, you know, being, um, having that consistency, having that, that trust and, and ultimately leads to good outcomes, you know, that. Uh, Absolutely. And, and yeah. that, that, building of trust and the consistency is also the concept of training your customer right wow. so you you spend a lot of time training your your internal staff yeah. but you know we we talk about 
let's let's look at Starbucks, for instance, and how trained all of us are yeah. to, you know, speak their language, order the mocha, the venti mocha, skinny, you know, latte, yeah. just the way they want us to, we speak their language. So, yeah. you know, in our environment, it's exactly what you're saying, training the customer to follow the processes that you yeah. want them to follow, yeah. Um, yeah. being sure that they understand your cancellation policy, being yeah. sure that they understand all the expectations that you've put in place for your team member to get to them, yeah. that your customer is also trained on those policies and practices. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And because they, um, and, and some people get a little upset, like when we talk about um, training a customer, like or they find it, but it's, <laughs> but it's like, you know, you use whatever terminology you like, but ultimately, right, um, customers are learning from us all the time based on the interaction, right? So right. if they, you know, if they cancel uh, an appointment with an hour's notice, right, um, and the admin person doesn't, follow whatever the procedure is for that to sort of talk to them about the late cancellation to follow through on a charge if that's the policy but we have just trained the customer if we, exactly. if we skip all that we've just trained them to say don't worry about what the the policy that we sent out to you at the very start and that that you signed or the notice we have in the waiting room you can ring up and just cancel and that's fine we won't even ask you a question we won't even raise any of these sort of slightly awkward topics with you right we're right. training our customers all the time and yep. you know, sometimes and that that's where like that if we lose sight of that, you kind of wonder why um, you know practice you know some practices will have stats that are out of whack, right? Like mm -hmm. their no show rates and their like their um, their unpaid debtors, you know, the the, the um, outstanding accounts they have. So many things you can you know it becomes evident in a way that can really impact on the business, you know. Uh, Absolutely. So yeah. it's yeah, you really can't. Um, you just can't, can't underestimate the importance of that consistency and that idea that you know we are training our customers uh, constantly. Um, Absolutely. Work smarter, not harder. Power Diary, the complete practice management system for allied health professionals. Our all-in-one system with over 100 powerful features for health practitioners includes appointment scheduling, client messaging, soap notes, telehealth portal, payment integrations, and much, much more. Let Power Diary streamline and simplify your day-to-day -day operations so you can take care of clients. Join a live demo or start a free trial today. Learn more at www.powerdiary.com. Yeah. Okay. So let's, uh, let's move on to mistake number four. There we go. So not being uh, not being proactive. What what are we looking at here? What's what's the issue? Well, I think you need to really understand, and this this feeds into some of our previous slides. Listening to understand, um, you know, really training your your staff. So if you don't understand the pain points of your mm -hmm. customers ahead of time, um, you're not going to be able to give them the right response, and you're not going to be able to give them the service that they're really looking for. In that scenario, if you were kind of, there's going to be like surprises all the way in a way, isn't it? If we're not sort of proactively thinking about and managing these kinds of things for the customer's experience of that, it's going to feel pretty, pretty bumpy. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, you have to, again, it's about consistency. It's about communication, um, understanding the, like we say here, the, the pain points that they may 
hit along the road yeah. and having an answer ready um, yeah. and training your team members on the response for these pain points and features that may, may help with um, these different pain points that your customers are experiencing. Yeah. 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 No, that's uh, yeah. I think it, it's uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's kind of a subtle one and sometimes something we don't sort of do in the, I guess the busyness of like setting out practices and getting everything up and running. There's so many things to kind of think about, but mapping that client journey and understanding mm -hmm. where those pain points might be and then reinforcing, I think, the message um, multiple times in multiple ways, you know. So if there are, you know, sometimes I think people will, they might send out like an online form, which is great. And, it can, you know, the person consents to treatment, they understand that blah, 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 right? Um, that's great. But if that is sort of really the only time you really uh, emphasize, you know, or try and address those pain points, um, then it'll likely be forgotten, right? And right. whilst it was still important to do from a legal, ethical point of view, um, in practice, it makes little difference, right? Um, so having, like, I guess, looking at that client journey, being proactive and thinking about those things and then reinforcing the messages in different ways. So, you know, um, if we were thinking about the importance of attending appointments and giving adequate notice, right? Um, yes, okay, in the engagement component of that with health practices, they're going to have something that goes out that, can, you know, talks about that. Um, but then reinforcing that with um, explanations maybe in the waiting room about why it's important, what a positive mm -hmm. difference it makes to the practice when everyone attends there, you know, I'm thinking then having the same sort of script or the same type of messaging if there's an interaction with the customer or, you know, or the admin team about it. Um, then that, you know, that hitting it from multiple ways in, it, it then will likely seep in and get into and set the genuine expectation um, rather than I did it once. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And then we still almost feel justified. Like, well, if you go back and look at your, you know, when you first signed your patient form, it did say that you need to give us, you know, 48 hours or whatever it might be, right? Like, right. and feel quite sort of righteous about that, right? Like, no, it is there. And, you know, um, and that might be technically true, but it, it won't make a meaningful difference unless we find different ways of kind of reinforcing that and getting that kind of, you know, that, that consistency. And then people know what to expect. They've got those, you know, expectations. Um, and it also means that your team don't end up because these issues have been anticipated and there might be training on it or a script on it or a process at least to follow, then they're not feeling like they're sort of caught out and, and having to, um, you know, make things up on the spot, right? Exactly, yeah. right. It's, so, you know, being having those responses ready, um, but it's also, so this is client pain points, but also, you know, your team. Um, the client pain point is going to also be your team's pain point, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. again, this all feeds into previous slides, like I said before. So um, if you're proactive and understanding what these potential issues may be in advance, mm -hmm. then you're able to train, you're able to give them that balance of empathy, you're able to give them the tools they need, and yeah. then your expectations can be managed, right? Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite things to say is manage expectations and management of expectations, because you cannot expect your team to respond and behave in the way that we've discussed in previous slides yeah. unless you understand the pain points that they have to resolve and the pain points that they have to deal with on a regular basis yeah yeah 
Yeah, that makes sense. So it's sort of thinking about it on two levels. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I think within within uh, Powder itself, we've got a bunch of, of tools um, that help kind of follow and, and set expectations, right? So things that people can actually use to get that kind of consistency and be able to meet the expectations. So let's say, for instance, you've got a no-show policy like cancellation policy. Um, and in the manual, you've got the details of the script and a process that says, when that's happened, send them the invoice. So say with Powder, you could go in there and you could say, you know, um, you know, initially maybe they've got an online form to sign that said what would happen, like that if you late show, you'll be sent an invoice and be asked to pay prior to your next appointment, right? So you've got that in the, it's in the policy. You've now sent it out online form that they've agreed to, right? Um, then you've got the script when the person rings up, cancels late, okay? So now we're going to send that invoice. Now, if you left that to the end of the month or you did, you know, um, or you had like, a, or you didn't have, like Powder that allows you to do it. Uh, right. The connection, like that may not happen. It might happen late. The person may have forgotten what it's for when it does arrive. So in, instead, you can have a template within Powder that says, okay, this is what this one is, right? This exactly. is a, a thing. Here's the, here's the invoice. Um, and then the invoice can contain a link for online payment, right? So they can, we ask them to, to pay it prior to the next appointment. You've got a link in there that allows them to pay that invoice. Um, and uh, they get taken straight to Stripe, for instance, and they get doing the credit card details, you know, and securely pay and have that all resolved. So the expectation's been set. They've, yes. You know, the script is there. They follow the process and, and send it out. The same with things like waiting lists, you know, what's going to happen? Like, okay, I'm on the wait list. Well, what does that mean? Now, if a practice isn't using a formal waiting list, right, um, then anything could happen. They may, they may maybe written on someone's sheet of paper. It may, who yeah. knows, right? It may not even get written down. Some people might just say, okay, we have waiting lists and not even have that because they think, well, it's so full, the odds of you making it, right? We've seen all sorts of things, right, um, over the years. And so by having, like, say, in Powder, a wait list feature that allows you to put notes in, record when the person is and isn't available and so forth, if you set an expectation to say, if an appointment comes becomes available, we'll contact you. Well, Powerdiary is going to support that because when you um, have, you know, someone cancels an appointment, you can set it so that Powerdiary will look at that waitlist and tell you which people match the criteria that could fit that appointment. And you can see how long they've been waiting too, so you can keep the prioritization correct. Um, so you can kind of set an expectation, then use tools in a practice management system, you know, to kind of follow through on that and make sure again that you've got a consistent approach and that you're you know you're proactively setting up all these things even before they happen mm -hmm. and that really makes the life of your team members so much easier right and it's yeah. better for your customers it's better for the team it's just makes yeah. everything run so much more smoothly yeah yeah absolutely um one of our uh so fiona who heads up uh marketing and strategy here as you know Powder, she has a um she has a sort of view or a sort of saying that like, if you are likely to have to write something um, more than once or deliver a message more than once, right? Okay. Then, then there should be a template for it, right? There right. should be a yes. there should be a process for it, right? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, and it's so easy to overlook that and think, oh, you know, um, and and you have people like. Uh, 
you know, that, that have these things that come up, these scenarios that come up, and there's no documented way, right, of them being managed. So the learnings mm-hmm. from previous encounters, so what if a patient rings up and says they're sick, right? Um, what if they ring up and they say, uh, I've got to work at another job, right? So for the different reasons, I was going to say excuses, but I'll say reasons, <laughs> <laughs> but people can't, right? If, if you're going to have to tailor your, your response slightly differently for those things, um, it's predictable that that's going to happen more than once, right? right. So instead of that person at admin having to kind of think on their feet and come up right, with something on the spot, by preempting, being proactive and capturing those things, then uh, you, know, you, you, can, you can get that kind of, uh, get that consistency, get it sort of, get the efficiency of, you know, learning and um, from those previous experiences. Exactly. And I was going to say that too, like we said before about that consistency, the language and getting that same response. So yeah. important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's jump into uh, the final mistake, which is... Final mistakes. Mistake. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Number five, not owning up to a problem. Right. You yeah. have to acknowledge this. the issue, yeah. right? I mean, that's. I think that's a big mistake is mm-hmm. that um, instinctively you you want to defend or most people want to defend rather than just acknowledging and apologizing you know and and apologizing for the mistakes made um i i I, that's one thing that i like to work with on team members and tell my team members it's important to say you're sorry when it's appropriate you know it's you you have to acknowledge if there's an issue you have to have that empathy you have to have the correct response you have to listen to understand. So this, this all goes together. Um, and getting an answer to the problem is important, but sometimes acknowledging the issue is yeah. more important. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because yeah. if you just respond with, oh yeah, you know, well, we're working on it, that that's not that's not enough. You know, you have to really acknowledge that the issue is there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like you said, looking back to empathy. You know, understanding genuinely the impact that that might have had. So, in a practice, let's say a practitioner was sick for uh, for a day, and they needed to have their appointments cancelled. So, their patients have been you know uh, inconvenienced. Now, in this sort of scenario, like you can take it two different ways depending on the person. You you can sort of go into it with the mindset: well, practitioners are human, and they need to have occasionally you know, have days off too. You know, they just you know they come in and sort of almost like defensively. You know, um, because when a patient pushes back and gets upset and say, well, I've waited for X amount of time, right, for this, um, for this appointment, and now you're cancelling on the morning, right? right? How you approach that is very different. If you take the view of, which is factually correct, you know, practitioners are human, they're going to get sick, you're going to have, like, cancellations, right? Like, on, our, on the practitioner side. Mm-hmm. Okay. But um, if that's the mindset and then, you know, you don't kind of acknowledge or you don't own up or you don't right, acknowledge that impact for the patient, you know, the experience is, is hugely different, isn't it? The, you know, right. Like, That's right. Yeah. 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 And it's that, and, and in this sort of scenario, even like, um, you know, when you're sort of acknowledging to say, look, you know, that you understand the impact, like, I'm really sorry this has like happened. It's unfortunate. Maybe it's happened twice in a row. You know, you, a practitioner may have a recurrent health problem, get re you know, get sick again a short time later, right? And, right. You know, acknowledging those things, right? It doesn't mean in any way selling out <laughs> the practitioner or the business. It doesn't mean 
just capitulating and saying, you know, and um, and being you know too far the other way, but just being factually correct and honest about, hey, yeah, this is really unfortunate. Or if they were being if they were late in being notified, to say, recognize that, hey, right. realize that we didn't let you know until X amount of time, but acknowledging it, right. Um, it just shifts the way in which the person communicates, the patient that is, and the, or the, the customer communicates because it's now, okay, you understand the issue. I don't need to convince you of that anymore. Right. Um, and then you get into the, the more substantive part. Okay, number two, take ownership. What are we talking about here? Well, that flows with what you're saying as well. So mm-hmm. from a team member perspective, you have to take ownership of of the problem that the customer is having. So if you acknowledge the issue and respond, if you say you're going to let them know when the next appointment is available, if you're, if you're going to tell them what the resolution is, or you let them know that as soon as there is a resolution, you're going to let them know you have to follow through. You have to take ownership of it. Um, So in our world, it may be, you know, one specific response. If you're, if you're waiting for a customer to reply, to an yeah. email to be sure that you take ownership of that and follow through so that they're communicating with the same person if possible. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different ways to take ownership, but really understanding that it's your responsibility to solve this problem for this person yeah. all the way through to the end. Yeah. Um, and most of the time that's that's with communication, making sure yeah. that you're communicating and uh, following through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it it's... Uh, such a contrast to say, um, I'll you know I'll get back to you this afternoon. I'll, I'll check on that for you and get back to you this afternoon, right? Then um, we'll look into that, and someone will get back to you, right? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's it you know on the receiving end. I, I know, like uh, I think I was telling you when we were preparing for this uh, that this webinar that you know like, uh, had an issue with a bank recently, and every time I'd contact. They would tell me someone would follow up and no one ever right. did, you know, like yeah. no one ever. And then eventually I think my wife might have got hold of a person who actually took ownership and said, this is really like what's happening is really weird. I can't understand it either. I don't know the answer, but I'm going to ask our technical people why this isn't like functioning the way it should in this particular account or something. Right. And he, even though he couldn't answer, like couldn't, you know, he actually followed through and, he would ring sometimes twice a day to update, like this is oh, wow. what's happened, you know, even if there was no update to say, hey, I've I've spoken to these people. We don't think it's that. So what we're going to do tomorrow is try this, right? Right. But just that update that there, there's something happening, you know, and he's taking ownership of that. Um, it was such a relief. like, <laughs> Yeah, because someone is actually, you know, is actually taking ownership and saying, yeah, this is weird. It's not right. We're going to figure out what's happening and fix it. Um, where I literally for months we would have had someone, oh, that's been ex- you know, uh, uh, um, ex- uh, elevated, you know, uh, someone from technical will get back to you. Someone from this will get back to you, you know, uh, and you just think nothing's happening. Um, well, so- and you can tell too, I mean, with that experience that you had with the bank, you, you can tell if someone is taking ownership, whether yeah. it be on the phone or through yeah. written communication, you know, if you get that, <clears throat> excuse me, blanket response, you know that they're not really owning it, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you're on the phone with a customer, with a patient, you can tell if someone is taking the time to understand and potentially write the information down, take yeah. notes 
in, in take notes on the computer, whatever they're, they're doing. But you know if someone is responding correctly yeah. as the customer. Yeah. You, you know. Yeah, yeah. Either that, yeah. You can feel it. It's a different, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and that's the training as well, right? To, yeah. to train your team to respond in a way that the customer understands that yeah. you're listening and that you are taking ownership. Because yeah. even if you are taking ownership and you're taking all the steps that you're supposed to on this end, on the customer yeah. end, uh, excuse me, on the customer service end, they don't know it. Yeah. So you have to communicate exactly what you're doing, what you're going to do yeah. um, with your follow-up and then actually follow through with yeah. following up and communicating. Yeah. And that's going to help with retention and that's going to help with referrals. It, it it all goes together. Goes together, yeah. yeah. And I, I think too, the other uh, component to this is that I think most health practitioners like intuitively know like how to communicate um, empathy, I guess, of course, but like also how to communicate that idea of kind of ownership and next steps and that engagement. Like most health practitioners are pretty good engagement, probably a better way to put it. Um, there's a, but that's often a whole combination of micro skills, right, that are being um, utilized, not necessarily to the person's awareness, like conscious awareness, but it's being utilized that gets that effect. But then when the practitioner hires an admin person, um, they often will make assumptions, like we were saying before, that but that how to be engaging or mm -hmm. how to communicate that I'm taking ownership, I'm taking it seriously, what those micro skills are. And I think they forget, it's one of the reasons that they forget to train or don't train. So let's say um, taking ownership, I'm going to do the follow-up. Um, if I know someone is writing down like uh, the important elements of what I'm saying, right, then I know, right, that, that I'm being listened to. And so for an admin point of view from a, like they're dealing with a patient, right? If they say, okay, um, I'm, look, I'm just going to take a note of the availability you told me. So that was Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays in the morning. Is that right? You know, I'm just going to put a note of that in, I'm just going to put a note of that on our waitlist system, right? Right. Um, so that that commentary about what you're doing, the actions, the little things that you're doing illustrate that. I'd say that if we went to 99% of practitioners, they're going to, do that if we were to sort of like secretly film them and see what they actually do they're probably going to do those things and not even know that that's what they're doing but right. remembering to train the admin people to say hey exactly like what you said if you're going to do these things tell them what you're doing even yeah. in real time like you know um and it, it it just shifts the whole sort of you know perception that yeah this is there is acknowledgement if there's an issue and they're taking ownership and specific action around that so that's Absolutely. very good yeah. Okay, so let's let's put this uh, all together. We are uh, nearly finished. So bringing us around full circle here, um, what does it take to sustain a powerful customer uh, service, either team or it might be to keep a really good person if you've got one person in your in your one admin person in your practice. Okay, what what things make a difference here in sustaining those those people? Well, I think that we've touched on it so much, you know, mm -hmm. going back to these mistakes and how, you know, we're talking through the team members and listening to understand and everything that we've gone through. Um, so really, you have to give your team members the same respect that you give your customers, that you give yeah. your clients. Yeah. Um, and, and that's and we have been speaking to that throughout this whole presentation. But it's very important um, that your team members feel valued that they get that training, that they're empowered, 
And you have to, to have a balance with everything, right? Yeah. So we talked about empathy. So hire people with empathy, but then you also have to have that same empathy for the team member. You want your, your team member to give empathy to the customers, then you need to have empathy for them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we talk about growth a lot here at Power Diary and um, empowering the team members to, to grow within the organization, to grow their skills. And that might not always be the case. Um, you may you might only have one person uh, working in an admin, and you can still grow that person. Mm -hmm. um, you can grow their skill set. You can be encouraging. Um, you can teach them new skills. And and a lot of times, this training is empowering. You know, mm -hmm. as you as you increase their communication skills, if they really feel valued in the practice, um, which they are, obviously. You know, as yeah. we said before, they're the face, they're the voice. They're the, they're the writing um, that, you know, you have to you have to build them up and help them grow. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, uh, there's some pretty good research out there, too, that talks about um, uh, retention of good team members, that that sense of uh, like growth, like development in their skill set is one of the things that is, uh, you know, makes makes a difference. And it can be just about how you allocate responsibilities as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that it might be someone that, that starts as a um as a, an admin person with fairly traditional kind of admin skills but if you notice that they've got an aptitude or an interest in a particular area then um having people giving people the opportunity to kind of uh grow into some different functions and different elements of the role um mm -hmm. allows you to sort of achieve that without it you know it may not be like a formal like promotion as such but it's sort of understanding like where does this person you know, what are they interested in? Where, where do they want to go with their career or personally or professionally? And then supporting that in the way that you can, you know, within within your, your context. And um, over the years, like, I've, you know, I've sort of never stopped being surprised, like, you know, that when you give people like the space <laughs> and you give them opportunities that might be outside their normal kind of wheelhouse, like that how, how much capacity people have, you know, to do right. things that are different and, uh, you know, I think we we're, were talking, you know, briefly before, but, you know, I've often given responsibilities and things to admin people, say, in a, in a um, health practice and the way that they've run with it and developed something that, you know, is amazing and develop partnerships with major companies and things that because allowing them to kind of do more and explore a different element to, to what, what their traditional role might have been, um, you know, you get, you really do get a win all around and, and it's great for retention. Um, of that team member too, because they feel like they're, you know, they're, they're definitely progressing and they're developing new skills. They're they're being valued as a person. And and it's very important to have that retention because if if your customers is able to communicate with the same team member for years, yeah, uh, they really they really see that they're passionate and that they're involved in the care yeah. of that that yeah. person. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think it's um just when I look at parallels between um our practice um which you know was was uh you know really fun and really great and like and we had a, a great team and then i look at the same with with power like what are the you know one of the commonalities there you know just trying to learn about what works what doesn't you know in business but one of the commonalities in both businesses that you know we have had uh this level of involvement that one commonality is a length of tenure of our team members like you know we would have really um, would build good, um, like get the right people a, um, in the roles, and over time that you grow that 
that team and you get like a collection of really kind of great people that really become the heart and soul of that of the organization you yeah. know? Um, and, and if you get it right you retain you know the right people um well, yeah, I'm not going well. anywhere, so you'll have me around for a while. <laughs> Very good. It's uh, nice to get public reassurance of that. <laughs> okay, let's uh, wrap things up. If, if people need uh, any help with Powdery, um or anything else, we've got some contact information here that you can contact our support team email. Uh, you can book live one-on-one you know, video calls. Yes. Uh, live chat. We have left off the slide by accident, but oh, we have uh, live live chat um, available either on our main website or if you're within the app, you can um, activate live chat in there as well. Um, and we have uh, almost twenty four seven covered uh, with uh, yep. uh, chat. There's there's always uh, someone not far away. So um, if there is anything that we can sort of help with, uh, then you know please do let us know. Dana, thank you very much for co-hosting today. It's been great uh, to uh, to go through you know this with you and, and share your you know your experience and your perspective, and uh, that it's been been wonderful. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. <laughs> Thanks. All right, bye everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Practice Power Up Podcast with Damian Adler. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Your feedback is important.